Romans 7. So we've been doing this series, Allies and Enemies, um, talking about the different things that kind of wage war um, within you. Um, tonight we're really going to hit on enemy number three. It's going to be the last enemy that we do. We've only got two more weeks left. Um, but tonight we're really going to talk about something that, that really hits home for all of us. And, and to be completely honest with you, to be completely frank with you, um, and you can ask Ken, I, I've really had a tough time with this one this week. I feel like there's been a lot of, um, I guess, spiritual warfare going on within myself, within my mind, within everything surrounding this message. I've wrote this message. I've erased the message and rewrote the message, and, and I don't know what God's doing in my heart through this, but, but I'm praying tonight, okay? I'm praying tonight that you guys will kind of open up your hearts for what God has to tell you, because we're going to do something a little bit different after service, um, and then after we're done up here, we're going to go play wiffle ball, but before that, I'm hoping that God's going to do something in your hearts tonight, all right? And I, and I know you guys, I know that most, I know for a fact, you know, I'm very confident that most of the students in this room know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but sometimes I think it's important to reevaluate our lives, to reevaluate where our heart is in order to move forward in our walk with Christ. And that's what we're going to do tonight, because enemy number three, and, and this is why this, this one's so hard for me, it's because I love you guys so much. Okay, um, that's something uh, you can ask Ken and Jed, and, and I keep saying that because these guys are, are my guys. They're my, my dudes that I share my heart with, right? Um, and, and they can back me up that I, when I say that I love you guys with all my heart. And, and this is hard for me because I see what happens in your daily lives. I know what goes on you know, kind of within yourself and the things that you're struggling with. And it, and it hurts me sometimes. It bothers me because I love you. All right. But I didn't have a funny story to tell you for this week to get you in the right mindset. Um, so I did better than a funny story about Carson. Um, I got a video. All right. So we're going to watch a video real quick. All right, so that's loud. How many of y'all have ever seen that movie? Do y'all know what that movie is? Okay. So here's the thing. That movie's called Liar, Liar, all right? And the problem is he's like an attorney, and his son makes a wish on his birthday that he can't lie for 24 hours, but he's got this big case coming up, and he's physically incapable of lying. So he tells the judge he needs a break. And the judge is like, are you sure you need a break? Do you absolutely need one? And he's like, no, because he can't lie. But then he says he has to use the bathroom and explains how it's bad for you to hold, the, hold it. And he's trying to find a way out. And he figures out that he can beat himself up to get out of that day because he knows he can't lie for that day. You see, he was facing this problem within himself. He needed to do something, but then there was something within him that was fighting him to not be able to do that thing, right? 
And that's how we are with the flesh. That's our enemy for tonight. Enemy number three is the flesh. And see, that's the problem with our Christian walk is because a lot of times we desire to walk for God. We desire to live for God. We live our lives and we come to church and you leave Wednesday night service and you're encouraged. You've been surrounded by godly people and and godly leaders. And and you leave Wednesday night service and you're really encouraged and you're going to live for God and you're going to do all this stuff for God. But then you get into the real world and this flesh, this worldly desires within you start tugging and, and it's almost like you're beating yourself up just like that movie, right? Like you've all experienced that, you've all seen that. So if you look in Romans chapter 7, we're going to see um, what Paul has to say about fleshly desires. So Romans 7, we're going to start in verse 15. Um, Here's the big idea for tonight. When we come to Christ, one of our biggest enemies is the desires of our flesh. We must acknowledge that these desires exist and that our only way to defeat them is through Christ. So number one, number one, number one, you have to recognize your fleshly desires because if you're honest and we look at our lives, we don't always recognize them. Because they're just part of our lives. They're part of our everyday scenario in life. Your walk through, and you don't recognize your fleshly desires. But look what Paul says about this in Romans 7, chapter, or chapter 7, verse 15. It says, for what, I, for what I am doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. So in other words, he's saying, listen, I want to live for God. I have a desire to do what's right, but for whatever reason, I'm not doing that. For whatever reason, I'm not living my life according to the way God wants me to, and I don't understand that. Verse 16, but if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree. I lost my spot. I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. In other words, I desire to do good, but but I'm not actually doing it. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. All right, listen. It's easy to blame all temptation on Satan, right? Like we do that all the time. We, we look at sin and we blame Satan and we point Satan and we say, Satan put that in my life, it's not my fault. Like, that's what we do. That's how we justify it. That's how we make ourselves feel better about that sin. But um, we may claim exterior influences that have led us to make bad choices uh, when these choices really come from the evil desires of our own heart, right? So you can't always blame Satan on your sin. You see, Satan pushes your buttons. Satan, you know, kind of flicks those triggers in your life that causes you to kind of look at something and say, hmm, that's something I like. But then you have a decision to make. 
You see, at that point, whenever you come to that decision, you come to that crossroad and you say, okay, I can do what's right or I can do what's wrong. Um, most likely, I'm going to give you a warning, a heads up, with whether you're dealing with something major in life or whether you're dealing with something small in life. Um, the way that feels best at the moment is most likely the wrong way. Like, for example... Um, uh, Ken really upset me last night, so what feels good is to call Ken and cuss him out. Don't go to his house, though. He'll shoot you. <laughs> no, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> right? Like, that would feel good at that moment to just get that off and just let Ken have it. But that's not the right way to do it. Right? The right way to do it is, is to man up and, and have an adult conversation with Ken. Right? The, 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 the decision is whether or not to date this boy or not, to date this girl or not, um, and, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, man, it would be so good to date her because she looks good, she's pretty, um, all the boys like her and they'd be jealous of me, um, and, and then, you know, the girl's point of view, you know, he's got some abs going on, he, you know, he's got good looking hair, um, you know, that, those are all great things, but he doesn't go to church. But it's easy because most of my school doesn't go to church. Right? See, the right decision isn't necessarily the one that seems most fun at the moment. Right? But where are the abs going to get you later? <laughs> I used to have abs. <laughs> Ask Brandy where abs get you 10 years later. <laughs> right here. <laughs> All right, listen, here's the thing, here's the thing, sometimes, sometimes the right thing isn't the best feeling thing at the moment, but, but you've got to understand, you've got to recognize those fleshly desires, right? We don't typically recognize them, so when the time comes to make a decision on how we want to handle a certain situation, we typically lean the direction of our fleshly desires than following God, and the reason we do that is because we don't even realize that they're fleshly desires. We don't even realize that it's Satan tempting us and us taking the bait and us making the decision to follow Satan instead of saying, God, where do you want me to go with this? How do you want me to handle this situation? How do you want me to handle this argument with my parents, God? Like, we don't stop to do that. We automatically just snap at our parents as if we... We have the right to do that. Well, just for the record, the Bible says otherwise. We think that we have the right to, to tell our friends how we think and what they, what they appear to us just because we feel like we are entitled to, to the respect that they should give us. Well, the Bible says otherwise. Right? The Bible says to love those people, to love your neighbor. It says to love your neighbor, love the person that you don't even like, man. Right? You see, Paul recognized his struggles here. And it's important that he gets his feelings out there. We want to follow God, but if, if you pay attention to your life, you continue to sin and you continue to make mistakes and wonder what happened. You see, you wonder what happened. You wonder how you got yourself in that situation. 
And it's because you don't recognize your fleshly desires and you give in to them and suddenly you're in a trap. Because you didn't recognize them up front. Right? So number one, we've got to recognize our fleshly desires. Number two, we've got to repress our fleshly desires. Look at this in verse 21. Look what Paul says. This is huge. He says, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. So even though I want to do good, there's evil within me. There's, there's evil desires in my heart. For I joyfully concur with the law of God and in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. And this is a perfect description of what that video was. Right? So like in your, in your mind, you think about this and you're like, okay, this is all I have to do. All I have to do is go to school and, and talk in a godly way and treat people in a godly way. And I can do that. I, I can do that. But what you fail to do is even pray about it or read your Bible about it and ask God to guide you. And I'm, get, I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but it's a fight. It's a battle. And Paul recognized that. Listen to this. I saw this and I thought it was pretty um, interesting and it relates there's a movement in the Congo where men who live in great poverty, all right, so they're really poor, will choose to spend their money on designer suits and fashion rather than on food and their families. They're still in extreme poverty, but they're dressed like millionaires. They know what they should spend money on, but instead they spend it on what they want. You see, here's the problem. Whenever you recognize that sin, whenever you recognize that kind of that path that got you where you don't need to be in the situation that you don't need to be in, you try to cover it up with a million dollar suit. Right? Like you're not interested in doing the, the, the inner work that it takes to clean that out and to change the tra trajectory of your life because that hurts a little bit. That, that's painful a little bit. That's tough. What we would rather do is, um, you know, come to church and maybe talk to the youth pastor about it and, and kind of cry a little bit because we get an emotional feeling or, or whatever, which is fine. I'm an emotional guy. I don't have a problem with that. But my problem is when you have no change in your heart, it's all just a cover up so people will look at you and say they got it together. Right? Like I've seen that. I've seen students that get caught with alcohol and they come and they talk to their parents and they're like, well, I'm going to go talk to Pastor Chris and, um, and, and we're going to get this straightened out. And, th and they come and talk to me, right? And, and, and they say, I'm, I've really changed my life. I'm really going in a new direction. And a week later, they're back in that mess, right? See, because they don't change anything on the inside. They just put a million dollar suit on. You see, you've got to repress that. You've got to hold that back. You've got to fight against that thing, right? Like we talk about, um, um, you know, being fit and exercising. I, I used to be in really good shape, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and then age happened and Zaxby's happened, <laughs> right? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I love me some Zaxby's. You see, but here's the problem, and I have a desire to lose weight every time I have to buy a new suit for a wedding because I don't fit in my old suit. Listen, I really want to lose some weight, but my desire to lose weight has to be more than my desire to eat Zaxby's, right? 
Like if, it, if I continue to want Zaxby's more than I want to lose weight, I'm never going to lose weight because I'm going to keep eating Zaxby's. You see, and here's the thing, how does that apply to our lives? Your desire to live for God has to outweigh your desire to get these worldly things. Your desire to live for God has to outweigh your desire to fit in with a certain crowd. Your desire to live for God has to be greater than your desire to date a certain boy or a certain girl. Right? Listen. You have to repress the fleshly desires. You have to recognize them. But then lastly, you have to rejoice God. Listen, you have to rejoice God. Not fleshly desires. Like your life can't be made up of worldly things. Your happiness can't be determined by a Tennessee football game. Your happiness can't be determined by getting a certain grade on a test. Your happiness can't be determined by dating a boy or dating a girl. Your happiness can't be found in, in drinking or doing drugs or, or doing whatever it takes to be the most popular, to win homecoming queen or, or king or prom queen or king. The, your happiness can't be found in all those things. Your happiness can only be found in God. You can only rejoice in God. You can't rejoice in those materialistic things things otherwise you will never take your eyes off your fleshly desires long enough to see god right listen in verse 24 and 25 and then we're done it says wretched man that i am who will set me free from the body of this death Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but the other, my flesh, the law of sin. Right? You see, here's the thing. You've got to rejoice in God because you alone can't defeat those fleshly desires. You're not strong enough. You're not tough enough. Right? I'm a youth pastor, and there's certain things that I refuse to get myself in a certain position because it scares me to death because I'm just a man. And I know for a fact that I, without God, am I not strong enough maybe to handle a situation that I get, in my, get myself into. So I specifically, I guard my life. Every, every aspect of my life, I think about, okay, what are the ramifications? For example, we went to lunch today, and I eat lunch with my mom every single day. And, um, and there's this thing in a corporate, corporate workplace that people like to say, and, and I'm totally against it. And my mom said it today. She said, I like to think of these girls as your work wife. Like, that's a funny little thing to say. You're around them all the time. That's my work wife. But I'm, I'm very particular about that because I want to guard my life. I want to guard how people talk about me. I want to guard how people view me. I want to guard my, 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 my language that I use to, to reference different women in my life. And I don't feel like that's a godly way to do it. Right? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that saying that means I'm cheating on my wife. Right? 
But see, we're not going to get to the point where we're beating our fleshly desires until we get to the point that we submit to God wholeheartedly and, and we say, God, take control of this aspect of my life. So this is what we're going to do tonight. All right? And, and I haven't told anybody this. I, I didn't even tell Jed or Ken. Right? I want you guys to pull up um, that last song that she did. I don't want you to sing. All right? Unless you want to. If you want to, you can. But here's what we're going to do. I want you guys to kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. All right? And I'm not going to make you get up and come up here or anything like that. But what, but what I want you to do, I want you to think about this, okay? I, think, I want you to think about the, the events that's played out in your lives. I want you to think about where you've been over the past week or maybe two weeks or three weeks. Like, play that out in your mind right now. See, some of you are struggling right now with these fleshly desires, these these things, and, and they're eating you up. They're, they're consuming your life. It may be a boy. It may be a girl. It may be um, some kind of activity that you shouldn't be involved in. It may be anger. It may be worry, uh, gossip. It could be anything. And, he, and he's going to kind of play this song, okay? And I, and I just want that song to kind of quietly play in the background. But what I want you to do if you're that person, I want you to turn around and use your chair as an altar. All right? And if you're sitting in your chair and you notice someone next to you that's got something going on, I want you to get down and pray with that person. And then what we're going to do as leaders, we're going to come pray with you. Because it's important. It's important that you turn these things over to God. It's important that you don't continue to carry these things out. But we want, you, we want to see you set those things free. Get rid of them. Live for God. Be a godly example to your friends. Be a godly example in this youth group. Be a godly uh, leader in your school. But you're never going to do that until you look to God and say, God, take these. So don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Like, who cares who's sitting next to you? I want you to take this time. Listen, get in one with God. This is an amazing moment. I can feel the presence of God just all over us right now. And I don't want you to miss that moment. Right now, use your chair as an altar. So, listen, somebody in here needs to do this. I'm telling you. Right now. Don't be scared.